Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Well, it's a, it's a great time to be in church because this time in Easter is a time in which you get like a, a red wine reduction, a Jew, as they say in the French language and cooking language, right? The reduction where everything gets boiled down to 10 minutes. So the other great news this Easter is my message sticks to 10 minutes. If anyone is at Northside, they know this is the shortest sermon of the year. This is something to be looked forward to each and every year. But we want to boil down all of Christianity today. You see, I want to ask you the question, have you considered why you're here this morning? Have you considered how you got here this morning? And some of you are thinking, well, I, got, I caught the bus, I caught the train, I drove the car. And I'm not talking about that. I mean, why are we even talking about this? Why are we even talking about Easter? What we have to account for is the, the rise of Christianity and, and the way that Christianity cut through the countryside like a wildfire is, is not quite how you think. You see, often as a pastor, I deal with people all the time that are in crisis. They've got pains in their life and, and they, they want to come to church and they're looking for a bit of inspiration. And that is not how Christianity took off. The message of Christianity was not that, oh, look, there is, you know what, there is, life is tough, but there's a silver lining out on the other side. Like it can sound like that. But it's not how it worked. We have to recognise that Christianity was never a philosophy. Christianity was never a pile of optimistic stories. Christianity was a fact. We saw the guy alive. He said he was God. He died. And now he's alive again. And it's that message that caused Christianity to cut through the countryside. And in fact... It's why uh, I, think, I think Jesus had it right when he said, you've got to be like a child to accept Christianity. Because when I think of my little guy, Zachy, he's got a great way of dealing with life. He does this to me now. He says, Daddy, look into my eyes. Look into my eyes. Look into my eyes. We go to the zoo? Yes or no? <laughs> Kids won't deal with the, oh, we'll see. Yeah, we've got stuff to do. Yeah, we'll get there. Yes or no? Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Yes or no? There's a harshness and there's a bluntness to this message, but it's what every key Christian had preached. One including this guy, Paul, who was a great persecutor of the church, the one who was trying to kill the church when it first happened. He sees Jesus on a road in modern day Syria. And this is what he writes here. He says in verse 32 of 1 Corinthians 15, If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained if the dead are not raised? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. And what I love about what he says in that is, seriously, Jesus Christ is either raised from the dead, he's not, he's alive, he's not. If, if not, guys, why are you sitting here? Go brunching. <laughs> eat, eat, up, eat up big. That's the question we've got to deal with this morning. That's what all of, all of these sermons that we have here in this place and every other church around the country for 52 years is based on this question. Was he raised from the dead? If not, go to brunch. Now, I, ironically, look, two things, will, two things will hit you at Easter. You'll have to come to understand. Two things will hit you. I, 
high petrol prices <laughs> or the notion of death. And it would be really, really silly to think about either of those things when there's nothing left in the tank, wouldn't it? And yet so often we don't think about this issue over here, this issue of death. And when it comes to this question of whether Jesus was raised or not, you know, there are, there are all sorts of modern people that, you know, and there are a whole bunch of churches that are going to preach this morning the historical factors to why Jesus was raised from the dead. They're going to spend 35 minutes on that. I'm going to spend 35 seconds on that. <laughs> Because that's not where we're going to go. I think most people these days, they're not so much concerned about the historical proof of it all. But here it is, the first one you've got to realise, if you're saying, oh, these Christians were just gullible, you've got to understand that for a first century Jew, a bodily resurrected person was as ridiculous a notion as it is for the modern Sydney cider. The second one people say is that the disciples, they stole the body of Jesus and they, they, they went through the night and they stole the body of Jesus and they hid him and they kept quiet about it. Now, if you've ever read about the disciples in the Bible, they're a bunch of bozos. Now, they're constantly, they're constantly fighting with each other. They're constantly falling over each other, wondering who's going to be the most powerful. And what you think, that, that they're, they're running around, Peter has denied Jesus three times the night before, and then suddenly overnight at midnight, they become the Israeli version of the SAS. <laughs> They steal the body and then they manage to keep quiet about it for the rest of their lives. These are guys that left their families, that left their wives, their children, and they were tortured to death. And they managed to keep quiet about it. And then you have this guy, Paul, who was trying to kill the church. And at one point he's in chains in front of this guy called King Agrippa. And he says, this was not done in a corner, Agrippa. You know, at one point in time, Jesus appeared to 500 people at once. You know this, this wasn't done in a corner. So it wasn't just the imaginations of a select few. There's the 30 minute sermon in 35 seconds, hopefully. <laughs> but you see, I think the modern person's more concerned about, well, how does this matter to me? Jesus is raised from the dead. What does this mean for me? Here's the first thing we've been talking about all weekend. You, you get to begin again. In other words, if Jesus is raised from the dead, you've got to ask that question. What if it's true? If it's true, here's the promise. You get a big life. You get a great big life. Uh, there's a guy called Colin Hay. He wrote uh, that wonderful song, I Come From The Land Down Under. <laughs> but he also wrote another song, a modern song called I'm Waiting For My Real Life To Begin. He says, so I woke up this morning and suddenly nothing happened. But then in my dreams, I slew the dragon. But then I walked down this cobblestone path. I walked down this laneway and I tread my old footsteps again and again and again. And you say, be here, my love. Let the light shine in. Open up your eyes. And I say, don't you understand? I've got a plan. I'm waiting for my real life to begin. The truth of Easter, if Jesus has been raised from the dead, is real life begins now. And what um, Colin Hay is getting at is he's getting at that yearning, that question. The question I'm going to ask you is, what did you want to be when you grew up? You know, ask a kid what they want to be when they grow up. They say, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a princess. <laughs> How many of us grow up saying, say, uh, yeah, when I grow up, I want to be an accountant. <laughs> when I grow up, I hope I get into data entry. We want big lives, don't we? 
Colin Hayes' song is just a reflection of I'm waiting for my real life to be again of a 50-something adult hanging out and a has-been songwriter sitting there in LA. He wants what all of us want. What I want to say to you this morning is that yearning that I know that is in your heart, that yearning for a big life, that is not there because you're naive. It's not there because you're childlike. It's, it's not there because it's something that's been wiped out of you over the years. It's because it's what you're built for. If the truth of Easter is that God was a man, he was alive, he died and he's come back again, then it means that like God has kicked the hole in the side of the universe and he sent his son in that and there is a bigger life than what you and I are a part of at the moment. You get a big life. Uh, But you also get the resources for the smaller life. If you can begin again, you not only get a big life, but you get the resources of a smaller life. I had a mate who was holidaying recently and, uh, and they were getting ready to go out on a, on a boat trip. And so they, uh, they had like a thousand bucks cash in their wallet. And they got robbed while they're eating lunch. And the first thing I'm thinking in my head is, who carries a thousand bucks in their wallet? You know, I'm lucky if I've got a 20. And you know, you think it's such a crazy thing to do with electronic funds these days. Keep it, keep it all in the bank. Keep it safe. Just work the twenty and give them the card. <laughs> it's a very fragile place to be. Um, and of course, they were they were distraught, and it, it it really hurt them that all of that had that had happened. But then, but then the first the first question you then ask when that happens when you're on holidays, right? Is you say, "What have you got? Travel insurance?" <laughs> they said, "It's okay. We've got." We've got travel insurance. <laughs> right? and, and the whole, the whole heart after the shock of all of that factor says, oh, no, it's, it's, it's all right. And, and the first thing you would do if you've ever been through this, Ryan, if you've ever had something lost on holidays like that, is you, you go straight up, you cover more policy and you look for your policy number and you check the date. And you, you ever done this? And you make sure it is absolutely in line before you make that phone call to the insurer. What is the resurrection? It's the policy A Christian is anyone who constantly comes back to this and says, Jesus has died for our sins. And whenever we're nervous about that, we come back to that and we say, no, we've checked it. No, it is finished. It's done. And what that does is it it gives you the resources to live a big life because, you know, a Christian is like someone who's who's a millionaire. We've got a million bucks in the bank, but we don't carry a thousand bucks in our wallet. We carry two dollars. And you see, if you get mugged when you've got two bucks on you, do you get nervous? Do you get upset? No, it's safe. It's there. I know what I'm headed for. Now, here's how you know whether you're a Christian or not, is that you're able to hold these things in life lightly, these precious things we have in life so lightly, our, our houses, our homes, our families, things that we know, look, would pain us to lose, but we say that is not my everything. The policy's there. It's all coming back to me in the end. And so I can move forward with a poise and a confidence and a stability that not many people have. Can you see how the resurrection works? If it's true, you get a big life. If, if it's true, then you understand why it works. You know, one commentator said, what made Christians so attractive? They died well. Because they had this. And so um, that's what it means when we come down and we boil it down to this question. Uh, did Jesus rise from the dead. And some of you this morning might say, like that King Agrippa had said to Paul, and might say to me, Sam, in this short period of time, 10 minutes, shortest sermon you've ever preached, you're seriously trying to convince me to be a Christian? 
Well, yes and no. You know, on the day of Easter, a couple of thousand years ago, they preached exactly the same message. He was dead, now he's alive, and 5,000 people, 5,000 Jewish people gave their lives on that particular day. In some ways, yes. All I'm asking you to do is to think through your answer to that question this morning. The answer to that question drives every part of your life. But I'll finish with this. Many Northsiders know this, that um, my, my favourite... My favourite movie is The Last Starfighter. I love The Last Starfighter. If you haven't seen it, it's probably because it was never a success at the box office and it was in the early 80s. Anyway, it's about this kid, Alex Rogan, who lives in this caravan park and he's addicted to this video game called The Last Starfighter. And so he would start this video game, but it would always have the same introductions. It would say, greeting, Starfighter. You have been recruited to defeat Azur and the Kodan Armada. And so it would, it would zoom him up in this game, up into space, and he would be the last starfighter that was defending the universe against all these aliens that were coming to destroy Earth and every other planet in it. And then one night, he's there playing the video game, this bright flash of light comes in, and, and this car suddenly appears outside the caravan park, and it sweeps him up, and it takes him in this spaceship up into this Space land up in there in space and, and they welcome him and they say to him, greeting starfighter, you've been recruited to defend the frontier against Zur and the Kodan Armada and this, this thing's real. And the whole movie is about how he trains to eventually do everything that he'd played in the game. Anyway, Alex comes back down into the caravan park after being up there for a couple of weeks. He saves the universe, by the way. He comes back down, the spaceship lands in the front of the caravan park and everyone runs up in their jammies to see what all the commotion is about. And, and from this big spaceship comes this spaceman figure down. Comes out, everyone's terrified and this spaceman walks out and he pulls his helmet off. They go, oh, it's okay, it's just Alex. And so he, he, he's looking for her, he calls out to her and it's his, it's his girlfriend Maggie and he says, Maggie, he holds his hand out to her and he says, Maggie, come with me. And this moment, beautiful string orchestral music's happening. It's the big moment. You think she's going to run into his arms. And she turns to him and says, well, what about grandma? <laughs> what about grandma? <laughs> Who cares about grandma? You've got a spaceship in the front of your front yard. And Alex is saying you can go, just get on, just get on the spaceship and go. <laughs> what is Easter. A spaceship has landed in your front lawn. Something has come in from the outside. And Jesus Christ comes down in bodily form and he extends a hand to you and says, Come help defend the frontier against Zur and the Kodan Armada. I'm calling you into a big life. I'm calling you a life that you never dreamed of. I'm calling you into a reality that you didn't know of. My question for you this morning is, what's your, what's your, what's your grandma? Not as in who she is, but what's your reason for saying no? Let's be like children this morning. That look, look into my eyes. Look into my eyes. Jesus Christ is alive. Yes or no? Let's pray. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.